The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Thank y'all. First time you've applauded me for coming up. Boy, that's hard to stay seated with that. I know my Redeemer lives. I hope you can say that today, that uh, you know your Redeemer lives, and He's your Redeemer, not someone else's. Uh, we're going to break away from our study uh, from Moses that we've been on for the past few weeks, and we'll get back to that next week. But this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 20. Uh, Luke chapter 20. And we're going to be uh, there, and we have, uh, we have one last question we're going to talk about this morning. Now, when we read and get into this, you may think, well, this is kind of odd for, uh, for a, a Resurrection Sunday. But it's really not because the question that we're going to look at has to do with the resurrection. And uh, Jesus uh, taught in the temple, and one group after another kept coming to Jesus with questions. And uh, example, the first group came and uh, over in uh, Luke chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, and uh, they came with this question. They say, who gave you the authority to come teach this way? Who gave you the authority to, to cleanse the temple and to continue teaching in the temple daily? And he answered, or he didn't answer, he, he defeated them with a counter question. He says, first, you tell me, this is verse 4, who was uh, the baptism of John? Was it from God or from man? So he, he answered that question by raising another question. When they refused to answer him, he said, okay, I'm not going to answer you because you asked me this question, I returned a question, you said, I, we're not going to answer, so I'm not going to answer you. Then the next group came. They had kind of a deadly political question, and what they said was, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? So they came before Jesus. He's teaching there in the temple, and uh, he's talking about God the Father and uh, how he owns all things. He's talking about these things. So they said, okay, we're going to trick him with this question. Should we pay Caesar or not? So he, he looked out, and he said, have one of you got a coin? And they gave him a coin, a denarius, and, and uh, he looked at it, and it had the image of Caesar on it. And he, he answered that question. He said, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God. So he, he answered that question. They thought, we're going to trick him right here. And he simply said, hey, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God. And then there was one last group, the Sadducees. They had one last question. And really what they decided, they decided that they would show the others how to put Jesus in his place. So said, oh, y'all came with these weak questions, and, and y'all couldn't put him in his place. We're going to handle this. So in Luke chapter 20, starting in verse 27, this is where we start this morning. Some of the Sadducees, listen, who denied that there's a resurrection. What does this question have to do with the resurrection Sunday? These Sadducees, they're denying the resurrection of Christ. And this is, Jesus is, is here, he's, he's on the earth, and they're talking to him, they're face to face with him. And they came and they asked him in verse 28, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother should take a wife and dies without children, his brother should take his wife 
and raise up offspring for his brother. Now they were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her as wife, and he dies childless. And the third took her, and they, in like manner, the seven also left with no children and died. So what they did, they took, they said, okay, Moses taught us this. There were seven brothers and one bride. It wasn't seven brides for seven brothers. It was seven, seven, seven brothers, one bride. Uh, each of them died. Each of them married the lady. Each of them died. And last of all, verse 32, the woman died also. Therefore, verse 33, in the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as a wife. Now they thought, we've got him. We've got him here because Luke kind of helps us understand who the Sadducees are by saying they were those who deny that there's a resurrection. Furthermore, over in Acts chapter 2, 38, uh, 23, 8 says that the Sadducees did not believe in angels nor spirits either. In fact, they were mainly a political party, but they were in charge of the priestly line. But they were really just a political party. That's what the Sadducees were. And they seemed to feel like the only... The first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, they, they said only those apply... To the Jewish people. So all the prophets and all the other things, those, those Sadducees, they just kind of said, we don't, we don't believe those apply to us. Only those first five books that Moses wrote, they, they apply to the Jewish people. So they take that and they bring to the, to the heart of their question is a trick, a trick question for Jesus, and it's, it's a custom of, of leveret marriage is what it's called. And it's explained in Deuteronomy 25, 5 and 6, but what that says is simply what we read. If there's two brothers, they're there together, and one of the brothers dies, and he leaves a widow, and he has no heir, no, no one to, to carry on his name, then that brother-in-law is to marry that widow and give her a family. Boy, ain't you glad that's gone? <laughs> Woo! No comment past that, but uh, sister-in-laws, man, alive. Maybe you want to marry your sister-in-law. I don't think I'd fit into that custom very well. But, but uh, as we look at the question that they brought to Jesus, uh, we need to note this. What they're doing, one bride, seven brothers, they're really not searching for the truth. They didn't want an answer. Matter of fact, they didn't even expect an answer. Because they, they're really not looking for the truth. They're, they're simply asking something that they believe Jesus couldn't answer. And they thought when Jesus doesn't answer, when we stump Jesus, then what we can do, we can demonstrate how foolish his whole ideal of the resurrection is. We can tell everybody else, see, we took the, we took the law of Moses and we brought it to Jesus and he can't even answer a question out of the law. And he certainly doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to the resurrection. So that's their whole ideal. They said that, that life ended at death. And there's no doubt they just considered themselves as hardcore realists. I mean, that's what they considered themselves. They, 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 they simply said, hey, we, we don't believe there's any, there's any life after death. And 
The problem presented in this form of a question, of course, is, is at the very core, however, the, the issue has risen about marriage, but the, the core of it is, is there afterlife? Is there really people that's going to be raised from the dead? Is there, is there going to be life after death? And if, Christ, you're saying this is, then, then how are you going to deal with this problem in life after death? For many people, and what they were saying, this is just Christian daydreaming. This is just something that Christians came up with. They don't, they don't face the truth that there's no life after death. And, hey, we're just going to show everybody that, that we're realist. And then we're going to really show everybody that, that there's a bunch of nonsense about this resurrection. And, and the reason being is, is maybe the Sadducees were so comfortable in their day-to-day living that they weren't concerned with the afterlife. Now, I want you to hear that this morning. I know it's kind of easy just to hear a lot of words, but, but they were probably so comfortable with their day-to-day life that they really they didn't think about the afterlife. How true is that for us today? How true is that for Americans today? We're so comfortable with our day-to-day lives. We get up, we go to work, we do what we need to do at work, we provide, we pay our bills, we go in the afternoons, we have fun on the weekends, it's a, it's a great... There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But, but when we get so involved in those things that we ultimately forget that our hope is heaven, we're kind of in the same boat as the Sadducees. Hey, I don't even think about the resurrection. I, I don't even want to move. And, and I want to ask you, when's the last time you thought about where are you going to spend eternity? See, we don't think about that that often. We don't think about the resurrection. The truth is that, that every day we're alive, we're one day closer to death. We spend our life trying not to think about death, don't we? And for so many people, they never think about death and resurrection and eternal life until death is only days away. And then all of a sudden that question is raised in their mind. The trouble with that and the the danger is that is what if death comes immediately? And we never have time to ask that question or think about that question. President Eisenhower once said, I'm interested in eternity because I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. Well, that's kind of true and it's kind of not true, but, but we're going to live for all eternity. Every person here today, every person in these United States and across our world, they're going to live for all of eternity. Our old body here is going to die one day, but we will live for eternity. The question is, where are you going to spend eternity? The Sadducees thought, hey, you're going to die, you're going to spend eternity in a grave. That's not the case. The Bible teaches that's not true and... Folks, we don't have time to go prove the Bible. We, let, we did a Bible study last Sunday night about how can we know the Bible is true. We've done some studies on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, uh, last year at, at our resurrection service, I talked about how can we know that Jesus is true. He appeared to 500 witnesses that stood and saw him after the resurrection. We don't have to take the word of 12 followers 500 that said, hey, we saw him, we walked with him, we talked with him, we touched him. The Bible is true, folks, and it says we're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. There's no other place. So as we think about this, what do we think about eternity? What do we think about the resurrection? Well, Jesus begins to answer this question in verse 34. The question that the Sadducees came. Seven brothers, one wife, they all end up dying. They all go to heaven. 
Who is she going to be married to? And Jesus answers and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age, the resurrection from the dead, neither marry or are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Now, I may have lost some of you right there, but, but I want, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go back and underline two little phrases that we just read. Now, we're in, we're in Luke chapter 20, and verse 34 and verse 35. We're right in that area. And, and Jesus divides this discussion up into two time frames right here in Scripture. He divides it up into this age. Verse 34, underline that. In this age... And then he divides the second time frame into that age, verse 35. So Jesus takes her question. He, he says, hey, there's something I want, to, I want to draw a line through here. We're talking about this age and we're talking about that age, this different period. And, and he delineates the difference between one from another. He says the kingdom of God or the afterlife is described in that age. And it's totally different Things are different from this age. So he's explaining, and remember we've got a question, and the Sadducees asking about the relationship based on the next life. So he's dealing with that question on their understanding of the relationships in this life. And Jesus began to explain the difference in the next life. So the first thing he says, Jesus tells them that in the kingdom of heaven, relationships will operate differently on a different plane than they do in this life. Well, wait a minute, Jake. You've, you've preached funerals, and I've been at funerals, and, and we talk about uh, meeting our loved ones in heaven and knowing our husbands and knowing our wife. Well, we're going to get there. But listen, Jesus is saying it's going to be a different kind of relationship. There's three critical differences here. First, he says there is no marriage in that age. Some of you wanted to go, amen, right there. You should have just done it, took the elbow, and then and, and just lived with it the rest of the day. Like that guy that was, uh, his anniversary, he was crying, and it was 25 years, and somebody said, why are you crying on your anniversary? And he said, well, you know, my, my wife's uh, father was the sheriff, and, and he come out with a shotgun, and he said, uh, you're going to marry her, or you're going to spend 25 years in jail. And he said, I'd have got out today. You know, and, and uh, he, was just, he was crying about that. Some of you may be just the opposite. You may be saying, I, I can't imagine it. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine being in heaven and, and not having my wife or not having my husband there. What did we say a while ago? Sometimes we get so involved in our day-to-day living that we forget about eternity. We forget that God has something even greater than we have. We're satisfied. We're, we love what we had. And the point is that in this eternal state, there's more of an extension of what we have here. There's, there's more to come. The Jews of Jesus' day thought the kingdom of heaven was only an extension of the good things in this life. In other words, they looked at this age... And they said, hey, marriage is good. This is something good. And, and it's going to extend right on into heaven. And, and Jesus said, I need, to, I need to answer that. He didn't say that we wouldn't know our husbands or wives. He never stated that. He didn't say that, that in the age to come, we wouldn't recognize them. He said our relationship would be different. 
Because in heaven there's not marriage and there's no giving of marriage. So that's, that's the first thing he says. We, 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 we won't be married in heaven. The second thing in that age, that age that is to come, he said there's no death. And here's something interesting. As he qualifies this, he says, neither can they die anymore. In this eternal life, in this, in this next coming, as, as uh, Jesus explained this, he doesn't say they will not die. He says they cannot die. He said they cannot die in this life to come. Here's the third thing. He says they shall be like angels. Now, there's a lot of confusion right here. I want to spend just a moment here. There's a confusion in this area when he says that that they're, they're like the angels. And that confusion comes for, from, here verse 36, nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being the sons of the resurrection. Unfortunately, some, some different translation phrases this, they shall be like angels. And I think that's where the confusion comes in. About 15% of Christians, this is according to a Gallup poll, thought that angels were deceased humans. So there's a pretty significant group of people that said, okay, when we die, we're going to be angels. We turn into angels. Well, that's not the case. We're not like Clarence. Y'all know who Clarence is? Clarence was in a wonderful life. And Clarence said, every time you hear a bell ring, what happens? An angel gets his wings. And Clarence was working his way he is already dead. He had already went to heaven, but he had to come back and earn his wings. And so when the bell rang, somebody got their wings. Angels are not people, and people are not angels, and that's not going to change in heaven. Angels are created beings created by God the Father to serve Him. That's what angels are, and, and the Bible is full of explanations about what angels do and, and what angels' purposes are. And Jesus says, when we are redeemed, when we're, when we're called to heaven in the resurrection, when Christ has come, we will be like the angels. In other words, we'll be seeing God, we'll be serving God, we'll be praising God. That's what the angels do. So he's explaining to the Sadducees, hey, Here's some things you need to understand. In that age, there's no marriage. In that age, there's not an ability to die. And in that age, we're going to be seeing, serving, and praising God. We're going to be like the angels are right now. We're not going to turn into angels. So equally, angels, they don't marry. There's no death in the angels. They're, they're glorified. They're, they're equal. And we'll be on that same plane as the angels. Matter of fact, we'll be a little higher. Don't have time to go there, but you know... The Bible says that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, only Christians are going to be there. You got all of those great Old Testament saints and patriarchs that, you know what, they're not, they're going to be there, but they're not invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb because that's for the bride of Christ, and that's what the church is. We're, we're going to be there. We're going to be like the angels. Our bodies are going to be glorified. Now, I made a statement a while ago that, that we're not going to be married, but I want you to understand that when we are resurrected, our spirit is who we are. And when we die on this earth, our spirit is going to be with the Lord. That's not our final resting place. That's, that's, that's the presence of the Lord. But the Bible says that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be a resurrection, 
And our bodies are going to be raised imperishable. That says over in Corinthians 15.42 that our bodies will be raised up, will be reunited with our spirit, and that will be our resurrected bodies. That will be how we are and who we are. Now think about this. Jesus Christ, when He died and was buried and He was resurrected, He came back to earth. How did He come back? He didn't come back as some mystical spirit floating around. He didn't come back with wings fluttering around in the room. He came back physically in his body. So much so that the Bible says they recognized him, they spoke with him, they touched him, he ate. I mean, he had a resurrected body that that they could recognize. And folks, when we die, if we're born-again Christians, we're going to recognize those husbands, those wives, those sons, those daughters. They're going to things that made them unique, they're still going to have. They're going to have those, those personalities that, that stand out on us, that potential that they have, that, that, that life that they have is going to remain. But listen, it's going to be perfect. You know, if you have someone that's that that as witty and charming, and and uh, they're they're tenacious, they're hard workers, they're go getters. They they're going to be the same in heaven, but they're going to be energized with the Spirit. Isn't that great? I mean, they're going to be something that that their full potential will be seen. Your full potential will be seen. Man, you'll be, at the, you'll be at the healthiest point of your life. You'll feel better than you've ever felt. You'll have all the potential that you've ever had. I think sometimes we get in our mind that, well, you're going to die, you're going to be buried, you're going to be resurrected, and we're going to be floating around in heaven. And how boring is that going to be? It's going to be one long worship service with some preacher going, oh, wah, wah, wah. and we're sitting there going, oh, it's hot in here and we've got ten minutes left. That's not heaven. Man, heaven's going to be a place, the Bible says, a new earth and a new heaven. And He's going to place us there and we're going to keep His land and, and we're going to be His people. And He's going to be our God and, and we're going to worship Him and we're going to be with Him and we're going to be in His presence and we're going to see Him as He is. And our day-to-day world today is going to be so much better in the resurrection. That's what we're headed for. That's, that's where we're going with this. Warren Weatherby, he says in Be Contagious, he said our Lord's resurrection body was the same as before. His death, it was the same before his death, yet he was different. His friends recognized him, they felt him, they ate with him. Yet they also found that he could do things. In other words, he walked into a room with closed doors. His appearance had changed. And he vanished away. So though they recognized him, but there was something different. Folks, when we're in our resurrected bodies, our relationships we have on earth, they're going to be different in heaven. But you know what? They're going to be, we're going to be known as we're known now. Here's the second thing that we have. This great truth. We find it in verse 35. He introduces a key point here. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age, the ages to come, and the resurrection from the dead. More than, more than stated here, there's an implication. There's something implied here as we look at this. And this principle is this. Not everyone will be resurrected to heaven. Now, 
I hope you understand this. This is just the truth of God's Word. I had, a, I had a family one time tell me a few years ago in this very church, we don't want to hear about life and death. We don't want to hear about hell. We, 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 we want to preach some good news every now and then. Well, this is good news. The good news is there's a resurrection from the dead. The good news, we can understand that not everyone's going to go there. Why is that good news? It's good news because we know that and we can make preparations. If, if we didn't have any way of knowing, if we thought, oh, I, I, everybody's going to go to heaven, that's bad news because we wouldn't know. We can know the truth. And Jesus is answering a one last question. Hey, those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, they're the ones that's going to have an everlasting life in heaven. He wanted those folks to understand if they're counted worthy, they're going to spend eternity in heaven. If they're counted worthy, and he emphasizes that verse to these folks, that the resurrection is something that's going to happen for those who are counted worthy. Well, how do you get worthy? How are you counted worthy? That's through accepting Jesus Christ. That's simply through saying, Lord, I I failed. I goofed up. I know I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive me. I want you to come into my heart. And you know what? We have eternal life. It's not some, some long list of, of requirements that we have to fill out. It's simply coming to the uh, understanding of, of, you know what? I want to be resurrected from the dead, and I need Jesus Christ to get there. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's not a resurrection of the dead. It's a resurrection from the dead. Jesus stated that. Those resurrected from the dead. There's a big difference there in a resurrection of the dead. Every person that dies is going to be resurrected at some point in history. But Jesus Christ, when he has his glorious appearing, he comes, he's going to take the church, and the church is not East Delta Baptist. The church is those who are following Jesus Christ, who have surrendered their will to him. He's going to take the church. They're going to be reunited with God the Father, with our family. There's going to be some hell on earth for about seven years, and then everyone left will be resurrected, and they'll give an account to God for what they've done. Listen to what the Bible says. The prophet Isaiah says, Your dead shall live together with my body when they arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for the, your dew is like the dew of herbs. Daniel 12.2 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Job 19.25-27 says this, And he states, I know that my Redeemer lives, what we just heard in the song, and he shall stand on earth again. And after my skin is destroyed, I know this, that in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him, not someone else's. And oh, how my heart yearns within me. As Jesus began to answer this question, he began to say, you know what, this is what the Bible says. This is what the the Old Testament word says. You know what their answer was? We don't believe that applies to us. We believe those first five books apply to us. So Jesus goes back, and we're getting ready to close. He goes back and he says, well, I want you to consider Moses. And, of course, they would have known who Moses was. In Exodus 3, 6, we find that verse. But in 37, Jesus said, but even Moses 
showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. For he is not of God of the dead, but a God of the living for all who live in him. Real quick, let me explain what he said. They said, hey, we just believe in the first five books of the Bible. You tell us all that stuff in Daniel and Job, we don't, we're not interested in all that. We, we think the first five books. So Jesus said, well, I want you to think about Moses. Moses went to the burning bush, and from within the bush, the Spirit of God spoke. They just said, we believe that. And the Spirit of God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said to the Sadducees, if he's a God, that ser- a living God that serves living people, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's dead and gone, that implies that he's the God of Abraham who's got to be living. There's got to be a resurrection. Otherwise, he'd be a God of dead. And you know what the Sadducees done? They looked at him and said, that's a good answer. That's what they said. Look what they said. Some of the scribes answered him, Teacher, you have spoken well. And they dared not ask another question. What did he do? He took their words and he said, Okay, is there a resurrection? They said, We only believe first five books of the Bible. He said, Okay, how can God be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob if they're dead and buried and in the ground no more? And they said, Boy, Good answer. I'm going to leave with that. We don't have, as a final question, I, I, Lord, we're, we're through answering. That's the conclusion of the matter. There's a lot of areas in our life that we can make mistakes in. You know, we can, we can make mistakes in our finances, and they may be devastating, but we can learn from those and we can be better at finances. Some people never learn, but some people can. There can be uh, mistakes in athletics, and, and we can make a mistake during a contest, and, and possibly we have another game. We can play again. We, we, we got a second chance there. But, but when it comes to eternity, we can't afford to be wrong. We can't afford to, to make a, an error in that chance, because once we die... There's not a second chance. What the Sadducees were doing, they were gambling with their souls. They were gambling, saying, you know what? Is there really a resurrection? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gamble with this, and I'll find out after death. And in Mark chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says to them, you have made a serious error. You've made a serious error. Would you bow your heads with me? How about you? I've been here, I guess, 19 years nearly at at East Delta. And the last two months, I've had more funerals than I've ever had here. I've had six. I preached four of them. And you know, you'll never go to a funeral. I've been to a bunch of them. And this, this may sound bad, and I apologize if you take it the wrong way, but... You never go to a funeral and, and the person say, well, that, they're in hell looking up at us right now. Every, and this has nothing to do with those six funerals. I, it, that has nothing to do with that statement. Every funeral they ever go to, 
Folks say, yeah, they're up there in heaven right now laughing, or they're up there in heaven right now. Folks, heaven is not our default location. The Sadducees made a serious error thinking that, well, that's our default location. Jesus, the Bible says he's patient with us. You know what his will is? That none would perish, but that all would have eternal life. When that resurrection day comes, when Gabriel sounds that trumpet and the dead in Christ are raised, that's the crowning moment for us. And that's the day that Jesus Christ says, you know what, I gave my life for this day, for this hour. Now I want to ask you this. The Sadducees said, hmm, that's a good point, Jesus. You may say, well, I believe in God. I'm, I'm a religious person. I believe religion has sent more people to hell than anything. I believe God. I be, Jake, I believe in God. I, I don't know what you're talking about this morning. You know what the Bible says? Even demons believe, and they shudder. Here's the key. Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's simply saying, you know, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I, I believe that, that you died on the cross for me, and I believe I need forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for you to come into my heart. That's what seals the deal. You have to believe. There's one more step. You have to confess. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then will you be saved. Don't make a serious error in gambling with all of eternity. We have some good news. We celebrate today the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this morning there's free gift of salvation for all. We can have a new beginning, a new start. Well, I don't know, Jake. I'm pretty satisfied with my life today. That was the Sadducees. But there's one day coming. Oh, glorious day when we'll stand before our Savior. Father, I pray this morning as we look into your word, as you guide us and direct us through your word, Father, I pray that in our own hearts, Lord, that we would examine ourselves. We would really think about eternity and where that will be and where we'll be. And, Father, I pray that we would turn to you. I pray your spirit today, as now we know the truth and we'll be held accountable for that truth, I pray your spirit would continue to woo us, continue to call us, continue to draw us unto yourself until we respond. I thank you that you're patient with me. I know I fail you so often. I thank you for your patience. And, Lord, I pray that each of us would hear you and hear your voice and hear your presence today. And I pray this in Jesus' name.